0: To paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not so
1: famous cases of moida ghosts legends and lore with a healthy dose of debunking De- <laughs> debunking
0: we do love to there you know what today's going to be an interesting debunking day Ooh, wait why well, okay, so the, the case I'm covering today, when I first heard about it, when I first started looking into it, I thought it was a pretty, like, straightforward, run-of-the-mill missing persons case. Oh. You know, yeah, like, like maybe a little mysterious in, in the way that I think all missing person cases can be, uh, especially unsolved cold cases,
1: uh-huh.
0: but nothing where I was like, This is going to make my brain go, what? (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. And then, and then, um, as I started researching, a bunch of weird things popped up about the area and about some of the
1: theories related to what could have happened. And we took a turn. (laughs) Oh no. I mean, that's a good thing though. I like when we take turns. Yeah, it's gonna it's
0: gonna be interesting. So the the, the first half is gonna be a, a recounting uh pretty straightforward of like this is what happened. This is, you know, these are the facts, just the facts, ma'am.
1: And the second half is gonna get into some of the um theories. <laughs> I love a theory. This is reminding me of the Dietzlav Pass already, just in the intro.
0: It's it it definitely again, I was not anticipating like the level of weird <laughs> that kind of cropped up. Ooh, I love weird. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna enjoy this then. Uh, so today we're gonna be talking about the disappearance of Paula Jean Weldon. Paula. <laughs> Paula. Now, before I, I dive in too deep, I do want to give a shout out to Michael C. Dueling, who wrote the book uh, Clueless in New England, The Unsolved Disappearances of Paula Weldon, Connie Smith and Catherine Hull, because it was an excellent resource when I was researching and uh, a, a just really an invaluable source. So I, I got a lot of my data from him. Uh, Paula Jean Weldon was born on October 19th of 1928 in Bronxville, New York. Her parents were Jean and
1: William Archibald Weldon. What a name. Add that to what? Kim's favorite names. I definitely enjoy Archibald is very pleasing to say. Archibald. I would love to name a sphinx cat Archibald. 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 <laughs> because you'd be bald because aren't you bald? bald it's like saying aren't you bald and it's a cat aren't just has bald? to like look at you and nod and say yes i am it's how cats work too. yes uh,
0: <laughs> i i believe one of the things i read said he was scottish um which makes which tracks i mean like william and archibald are both like super british scottish you know names and they might be bald too who knows I, you know, I didn't actually see any pictures, so I can't comment. Uh, that, but when when Paula was only seven months old, the family moved to Stamford. And from everything I saw, she had a pretty kind of run-of-the-mill, normal childhood. She had uh, three other sisters. She was the eldest. Her mom stayed at home with the kids. Her dad worked as an industrial designer, which sounds super cool and fancy. She was accepted to Bennington College in Vermont, where she wanted to study art kind of inspired by you know her dad and um but as her freshman year progressed she found that you know maybe art is not the thing i want to focus on sure she got really interested in botany hell yeah that's awesome right and she liked to to draw the plants too so i mean you know, the art plays into that, it's just kind of another way of, of utilizing that skill. That's so cool. Yeah. So her, her roommate, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth grew up on a ranch and was, like, all about all the outdoor activities. And so she got, you know, Paula really into all of these outdoor activities, like hiking and camping and and, and all of this stuff. And so by by her sophomore year, she had developed what a roommate would later describe as a fearless streak. Uh-oh. Although, I mean, honestly, you know, I read that and I was like, isn't that just being a kid? Like, 18? Yeah. Because I did some of the stupidest shit when I was 18, 19,
1: 20, 30. I mean, now I need to know all the things. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to talk about that later, unless you want to give like, us a little uh, sidebar. Well, I mean, bar. just like normal stupid shit that that kids
0: do and that teenagers do and that young adults do like nothing i don't think anything i did was like that outrageous i do recall okay this is <laughs> when i was still in high school uh i do recall friends and i cuz you know I-, I grew up in the pacific northwest for yep. anyone who might be be new to listening and um this was pre 9/11 a pre 9-11 time when I was, when I was in high school. And so, uh, we used to go down to Snoqualmie Falls after it was technically closed and we'd head down, like there was a fence, but it was like a tiny, it was like a wee little waist high fence, you know, not a real fence where they actually expect teenagers to stay out. Sure. And my friends and I would hop the fence and head down to the falls.
1: That sounds like so much fun. I would do that now. It was amazing. Like, well, now they have actual, oh, I'm too short.
0: Well, not just that. I mean, like, because it's it's a it's a, you know, there there's you you could do something. It, it controls the um, uh, the hydropower and and stuff. So it's it's super super protected now, because they don't want people down there after dark who might be doing something nefarious, but or I suppose like dumping a body because that's where uh Laura Palmer was found. Was that's you know, true? Anyway, uh, but yeah, I mean stuff <laughs> like that, right? Like that not kind of harmless shenanigans, things that we weren't technically supposed to be doing. So mom and dad, if you're listening, sorry, but no, you're not, <laughs> uh, but, 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 but nothing that's, you know, nothing that was bad, actually destructive, bad or harmful, just right. like kind of stupid shit that you do when you're a teenager. Fair. So, um, anyway, so, so the one thing they did do where I kind of gave them the side eye, but again, to be fair, it's 1946. Uh, they used to hitchhike a lot. um, and her her roommate Elizabeth said, "You know, Paula did not mind hitchhiking. In fact, it was more fun than going by bus, as you met all kinds of interesting people. Oh, and murderers. Well, but I mean, again, like, well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, Ed Kemper. That's Rodney all I O'Calla. think about. William Bonin. Of- um, Keep going. But like, <laughs> but it's but again, it's 1946, so people have a different mindset. Sure, and and." We, all of those people I just named were very firmly in in more of the seventies, right yeah. so like my uncle apparently hitchhiked uh down to California or something like that again, stupid shit you do when you're eighteen years old that's fair so yeah so so they hitchhiked uh so by fall of nineteen forty six Paul is a sophomore, she's still living with Elizabeth, and she's kind of struggling a little bit with her relationship with her family, um, particularly with her desire to switch from art to maybe botany. And she didn't really know how to talk to them about it. Her her dad was giving her a, a lot of, of crap because he felt like the program there, the art program there, wasn't, you know, up to standards. Uh, so she was relying really heavily on her friendship with Elizabeth and was seeming a little depressed. Mm-hmm. So Sunday morning, December 1st of 1946, Paula goes to her shift at the dining hall on campus. She worked there to help cover cost of tuition. And she seemed to just be really down. Although the night before, there was a lot of reports saying she was at a party and feeling good. But Elizabeth said, you know what? Maybe once your shift is done, go for a walk. You know, you'll feel better. I know I do that when I'm when I'm kind of feeling anxious or or depressed. I'm a big, you know, put my headphones in, go for a walk kind of person. So she finishes working. She eats her lunch, goes back to her room. She changes. She's wearing a red parka, uh, fur trimmed hood, jeans and sneakers. It's pretty nice outside. It's December 1st, but the weather currently is in the 40s. So a nice day for a walk. Now, Elizabeth is still at work herself. She got back about 2.30 and Paula was gone. And so she just figured, okay, yeah, well, Paula took my advice, went for a walk. And witnesses would see uh, her leaving somewhere between 2.30 and 2.45, so all of that tracks. Now, if a student was planning on staying out beyond 11 p.m., they were supposed to sign out with a campus switchboard and then sign back in when they came back, Right.
1: Yeah, and that's a really good way to track whether or not someone's there.
0: Especially pre-cell phone
1: or pre you right, know. technology in general.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's smart. They're not saying don't go anywhere. They're not saying you can't stay out, but they're saying like, hey, we want to just kind of keep tabs on everybody. So if you're gonna be out late, let us know. So we we stay safe. We know where you are. Um So by dinner time she wasn't back. And that night temperatures dropped to about five degrees. Woof. Yeah. And it snowed. Ooh. So Elizabeth, she's a little concerned, but she goes to bed thinking, "All right, well, Paula will be back by the time I wake up. But the next morning, there is still no sign of her. Ruh-roh. So her and another friend, they look around campus, they talk to some people, they ask people the job, like, have you seen her? They go to the infirmary. No one has seen any sign of her since the day before. And she doesn't show up for her classes. That's bad news, Bears. That's bad news, Bears. So at about 1 p.m. on Monday, December 2nd, she is officially reported as being missing. But, and this would become kind of a point of contention in this case, it's Vermont in 1946. You know what they do not have? What? What? A state police. Really? Yeah. There was no state police in Vermont in 1946.
1: Wait, when did they get it?
0: Well, (laughs) funny you should ask that. Oh, wait,
1: did this case actually cause them to get police? (laughs) Indeed it did, Gabby. Indeed it did. So that's how you get police is by having someone go missing. And then, you know, you have the whole police squad and things that happen today. Wild the way things work. Well,
0: that's, that's making a few jumps here and there. But um, uh, to be fair, there had been movements before to try to get one, but they always were voted down. So the way it worked is that each county had a sheriff. And the sheriff was the one who was kind of in charge with, with you know, any criminals that needed to be dealt with. And the sheriff reported to the state's attorney. So, state's attorney is notified, sheriff is notified, her family is called, her dad heads out. Her mom was apparently extremely distraught. Understandably. Understandably, yeah. Her kid's missing. Uh, Hospitals are contacted, and they notify law enforcement in other counties and other areas, like, hey, keep an eye open for this girl. They do a full search of the campus and Nothing. So if we've established anything, it's that she is not on campus anymore. That is officially the truth. Yeah. Uh, And the authorities are trying to create a timeline, figure out, like, who saw her and when they saw her or someone like her. So they had a witness uh, who saw a girl wearing a red parka heading down Route 67A. She was also spotted about 4 p.m. walking towards the Long Trail. She asked a few people for directions, And again, it's like 4 p.m. in December in Vermont. So 4 p.m., you're getting to that point where it's going to be getting dark soon. Sure. But the witnesses said the girl wearing the red jacket continued walking towards the trail. And the long trail that Paula was looking for is, as the name might suggest, a long trail.
1: (laughs) You don't say. I know. Who
0: would have thunk? It's about 270 (laughs) miles long, crosses the mountains. You're not going to casually hike this, at least no. not the whole thing. So you're not going to casually hike this whole thing. Searches are starting on the trail, but it, it snowed Sunday, and that makes everything harder because it makes it harder to see. You can't see footprints. Right. You also are not necessarily going to spot if somebody had fallen down, they might be covered in snow.
1: Ooh, Even with bad. a bright
0: red parka. If they were covered in snow, you're not going to see that. Right. So by Tuesday, the press is picking up the story of a missing girl. And by Wednesday, with this new press attention, a new witness comes forward, a man who said he'd picked up a girl hitchhiking near campus at about 3 p.m. She said she was heading towards the long trail, asked if he could drop her off near the entrance, and he said he could take her as far as his home, which is where he was headed. And that it was about three miles from the entrance to the trail. And he'd later say, the girl acted in a cheerful manner during the whole trip. Hmm. And he, you know, he dropped her off. He immediately went in his home where his wife and kids could verify, like, he was never a suspect as, as having done anything. Sure. Um, so more witnesses are coming forward saying they'd seen a girl matching Paula's description hitchhiking on the road, but beyond that, nothing. And the college actually closes a couple days so students can help search, which I thought was kind of awesome. Yeah. Well, also they didn't have state police, so who else was going to do
1: it? That's a very, that's a very, very fair point. Yeah, it's true. Uh,
0: But again, they're finding nothing, and any leads that are popping up aren't panning out, and the temperature is dropping. Winter is officially hitting in all of its glory. Wonderful. So one of the theories that starts getting tossed out there is that, you know, maybe Paula wanted to start a new life and completely start over. Mm. You had some of the friends saying, you know, well she'd been kind of depressed, and her family's like, she didn't have a history of depression. There's nothing in the letters she's sending home. She's feeling depressed, which I'm kind of of two thoughts of. Like, one, she's a young girl. She's away from home for the first time kind of struggling to find herself. And part of what she's struggling with is is her own parents' expectations for her. Sure. So she's not necessarily being super open with them. as again, a lot of people aren't when they are 18 years old. I completely sympathize with that. <laughs> yeah. And, again, that's common. Right. But her, her roommate was really adamant that Paula was not depressed, at least not in the way that would lead her to want to abandon her life or again, even wander off and commit suicide. Um And she was the person who's spending the most time with Paula. Mm-hmm. So I, I generally trust her recollection of events. And I, I mentioned, you know, Saturday night before she disappeared, she'd seemed really happy. Um, but, one of the responses was, well, maybe she was trying to throw everybody off by being spotted near the long trail. And then she doubled back. So people would have seen her and she just planned to, to disappear or meet a boyfriend and flee. Meet a boyfriend. (sighs) Well, like it just seems like such a stretch to me personally. I agree. She doesn't have real savings. Um, The money she is making is going towards her tuition. And it's, it's again, it's not like she had, was seen with a bag or even her money. So unless she stashed
1: something somewhere ahead of time, she has nothing with her. I was just going to say that's like, what, what exactly did she have with her when all these people saw her? Because if she were to disappear or just leave and mm-hmm. not tell anyone, like I get maybe wanting to start new somewhere else, but sure. it would be dumb to not bring anything with you. Like... That doesn't make sense.
0: It doesn't make sense. And and you know, her she even had an uncashed paycheck. So it just that to hmm. me doesn't track. If you're gonna start a new life, one of the things you need is cash. Like you I'm need sorry, money. You need cash. Yeah. You need money. Totally. Yeah. So another theory is that maybe she had um injured herself while walking, had fallen, maybe hit her head and had amnesia. Which again, <laughs> as the plot of sunrise bay or a soap opera uh is great (laughs) but in practice i'm a bit skeptical just not so realistic friends well because even if she quote-unquote had amnesia um the media had picked up this story it was being well publicized which means that someone who had found her or a hospital would probably recognize her. And even if they didn't, like if I found somebody wandering around the woods being all, I don't know who I am, I'd be like, cool. So we're going to take you to the hospital and call authorities to tell them we have a lost young girl. Right. And even the state's attorney though, he was like, well, I don't know this. This, uh, this sounds plausible. In fact, the exact quote was she might be the victim of amnesia. And <laughs> that was somehow A more plausible explanation Than even Foul play Are you serious? Yeah God bless 1946 <laughs> what? what? Why? I don't well, Again Like if you, you look at the time period This is not a time where people thought As much about
1: <laughs> People weren't as messed up <sighs> back then As they are now <laughs>
0: Oh, no, they weren't as messed up, but the media was not 24 hours a day.
1: Sure. It right? wasn't. It wasn't as noticeable, I guess.
0: Yeah. Like, there wasn't a 24-hour news cycle. There wasn't television with the, you know, publicizing things the same way. Sure. Um, so it, it's not that it didn't exist. It was just existed in a, a little bit more covered arena. That makes sense. So the search is continuing. But the time frame when someone disappears, and I feel like a lot of you at home listening know this, it's really, really crucial those first couple, I mean, really those first 24 hours, but those Mm -hmm. first few days. Because if Paul is lost in the woods, then between the elements, the snow, the cold weather, lack of food and access to clean water, she doesn't have much time. Right. If she was abducted, she doesn't have much time.
1: Regardless, she doesn't have much time.
0: She doesn't. If she is alive, it doesn't look good. And after another search on Thursday, the tone of the investigation changes and searches that are happening are a little bit more focused on recovering a body. Mm. But her father... Is just pissed about how things are are running, which again, I, I can't blame him. Right. So on that Friday, December 6th, he actually goes to Albany, New York to the FBI. Oh dang. Because he thinks someone took his daughter and he thinks the FBI should get involved. But they're like, We're sorry, we don't have jurisdiction. And the state's attorney, who is still the one in charge, is very adamant. I don't think there was any foul play because there's no evidence,
1: evidence evidence
0: to suggest it. And, I mean, at this point, I just feel horrible for her family because how powerless must that be? And as the story is, is continuing to pick up attention in the media, including national attention, of course, what starts happening but sightings?
1: Duh. Now everyone knows about her. So they're Mm -hmm. all going to see her.
0: And any girl who in any way resembles her or is wearing red must be Paula. But her poor father, like he's determined. He, he looks into some of them and he even goes as far as to contact Clara Jepson, who's a local psychic who assisted in other high profile cases like Amelia Earhart and the Lindbergh baby. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. Although if that was my resume, uh, I'm not sure I would advertise that myself. Neither <laughs> of those turned out... Good. ...with resolution. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to anyway. each their own. <laughs> <laughs> to each to each. Th- <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so, Clara Japson was like, no, Paula's alive, but she is in a shack.
1: Yeah, that's that was pretty much Wait, what she had to say. hold on. How does she <laughs> yeah. know she's in a shack? She's psychic. But, like, where...
0: I don't know. That was the. I, there was something about a river, maybe, but again, okay. that doesn't super narrow it down. And the long trail, as we mentioned, was long. So if she's somewhere on the long trail in a shack,
1: cool. We'll get right on that. Right. I was going to say, I could have probably told you the same thing without being psychic.
0: One well, again, nothing came of it.
1: Right.
0: So Monday, December 9th, the state's attorney gives a press conference to basically be like, well, we did all we could do, but, Ugh. you know, and uh, keep showing that girl there's picture. I don't know why I'm making him sound this way. That's not fair. I really like it, though. You should keep doing
1: it. <laughs> They're in Vermont. Nobody sounds this way in Vermont. Maybe we can pretend they do just so you can do that accent. <laughs> just
0: just so I can. I don't even know what accent that is. I don't, I don't even know, know what it points was, I'm doing anymore. It was fun. I lost it. I lost it. it, it, it it's left me. Um, but. Basically saying no crime was committed, we can't prove that there was a crime, so there's really nothing else I can do, and I'm just going to, like, not be involved anymore. And her father just goes off. Good for him. Oh, no, I'm, I am 100% behind Archibald. Uh, I love him. And he even said angrily, just what have the state authorities done to find my daughter? And then dropped his mic. And walked away and walked away. But but I, he said, you know, state doesn't have an organized police force. And because of that, things should have happened that didn't. So he was like, I'm staying here. I'm going to keep looking for my daughter. And he, he said to the media, I want you to please keep attention on this case and anyone who's willing to help. And he went as far as to contact the governor who contacted the governor of Connecticut to basically be like, Hey y'all! We don't have a police force. Can you give us some detectives on loan? Come help! And they did. Oh, good. Monday, December 11th, Lieutenant Robert Rundle and State Policewoman Dorothy Scoville, which hell yeah, policewoman in 1946. Hell I, yeah, Dorothy. I enjoyed that. Yeah, Dorothy, you get it. That's awesome. But both of them had worked together before, and they'd worked a number of missing persons cases, so they they had experience in this arena. They arrive, they start investigating themselves, and they dug deep. Again, as trained professionals, they dug into areas that had not occurred to...
1: Non-professionals?
0: Well, the sheriff and all the volunteers. So, like, they're looking to everyone on campus. They're looking for any romantic relationships Paula might have been involved in, uh, including, like, questioning professors and being like, hey... Do maybe I'm not sure what I just we did won't there We will fire
1: you, but we'll uh. use all this information.
0: Well, and they even went as far as to have a girl dressed in a similar outfit who had a similar build to Paula, uh from what she had been wearing, and and superimposed her face on a picture of this girl in hopes that showing people pictures that better represented what Paula would look like that day might jog someone's memory. Huh. That's smart. That No, I was like, that's super smart. And one new thing did pop up from one of the previous witness accounts. So Viola and Mary Maxwell, they were one of the people who had seen someone that was thought to be Paula walking uh, on the long trail. But when the Maxwells were first questioned, Viola's boyfriend, Alfred Gaudette, he had been there when they were questioned, but he said he had been out of town on the 1st. So he didn't see Paula, had nothing to do with it. But as the family's being re-questioned, the story is kind of changing. Uh Uh-oh. So the detectives are like, okay, that's a little weird. So they interview every person in the family about whether or not Alfred was there. And if he was there, what times he was there. And the stories are really consistent which makes alfred look hella suspicious sketch af yeah sketch af so they bring him in for questioning and like sorting through everything was kind of a mess but ultimately he was there mm-hmm. but he could account for the time he was there and the reason everybody was kind of lying was that he was dating viola but viola was not
1: fully divorced from her husband. Oh, rut row. So different reason. Not because of uh, Paula.
0: Not because of Paula, but still. Uh, like, just tell the truth, y'all. It's going to come back and bite you in the butt and it's make you worse, look shady.
1: It's worse to be cheating than to murder someone. Truly.
0: It, exactly. And his name is still one that kind of gets brought up from time to time just because he was behaving so sketchy. Great. Very smart. Very smart, yeah. Um, another possibility that's kind of being thrown out there is that there was a, she was spotted near this gas station that that had a, a, a there was a big gravel pit nearby, and they thought, well, maybe maybe she went in the gravel pit, maybe a landslide started, so maybe she's buried under the gravel. So they even excavated the pit.
1: Holy shit! Really?
0: Yeah. Nothing. Dang. And her father at this point makes a public plea, and he said, "Paula." If this broadcast reaches you, know that we love you, whatever may have prompted you to leave us, if you have gone off of your own free will, be sure we will find a better answer to your problem by working it out together. Just pick up the nearest telephone and ask for me. You won't need change. The operator will reverse the charges. I'll come for you immediately, wherever you are, and bring you back home to your mother and sisters who love you so much and miss you so terribly. Lots Aww. of love from all of us, signed Daddy. Oh, that's so
1: sad. Breaks my heart. Oh my goodness. I love how he's like, she's going to be worried about paying for the phone call. Make sure that like we pay for it. Like,
0: Well, and just that reassurance that like if there is a chance that she did leave on her own, if she ran off with somebody or if she just decided this is too much pressure and I need an out, the unconditional... We don't care whatever's going on. We will make this work. We will work it out. We love you. We love you no matter what. Like, But that's also what makes me th- doubt that she would have run off because right. even if she was struggling with how to tell her family about changing majors or their reactions or whatever – At the end of the day, they sound like, and I I mean, again, I I suppose it's really easy for me to take these out of context moments. I don't know what was happening in their home, but. All signs point to a, a loving, concerned family. For sure. So months are going by, right? And any lead that does pop up, even things that like, Don't seem they could be connected, but they look at all of them. They even looked at the Black Dahlia murder, which happened in, well, it happened January 1947. They're like, maybe it's connected. Let's find out. Young girl, pretty young girl. I don't know. Who knows? So they're, they're trying the best they can as the weather warms. They're like, okay, let's go out again. Because, you know, if if she did have an accident, if she did die in the trail, die out in the snow, she's wearing a red jacket. Maybe we'll spot that. But nothing. Uh, and, and as alluded, uh, as a direct result of this case, a Vermont state police force is formed. Hmm. So, cool. Now Vermont has state police. Doesn't do us a whole lot of good now. But sure <laughs> for anyone who goes missing afterwards. <sighs> too little too uh, late. Yeah. And and time is passing. No new evidence. evidence nothing. No evidence. sign, no trace. Um what's inter- so this was one of the start of some of the like random tidbits I found out about this case. Shirley Jackson. We all know Shirley Jackson. Oh, we yeah, love Shirley, Shirley. Shirley Jackson. Yeah. She was inspired to write one of her books, um, Hangs a Man. Wow. In 1951, uh was inspired by this case and it's all about like a a girl who goes missing and oh, and dang. uh in 1956 Paula was officially declared dead in absentia. Um, there was some hope. I uh, the date changed depending on what source I was reading, but it 13 years or so after her disappearance, um some bones were found and they thought well maybe it's Paula's, but no, they were too old and and it was one of the the officers even commented like anytime any bones are found, that's the first thing people think is maybe it's Paula's, but um so far nothing. So, again, what happened? Because to this day, in the year 2021, we were no, you know, clearer on on what could have happened. All the theories are still the same. Did she get lost in the winter weather, wander off the path, Um, body hidden somewhere, buried in snow, maybe animals consuming it so there's no trace? Did someone find her, pick her up hitchhiking, kill her, dispose of her body elsewhere? both plausible scenarios sure
1: but let's go to the weird Woohoo! is there an alien abduction one because i'm really hoping there is uh aliens will be mentioned yes hell yeah
0: so another theory has cropped up. One that links Paula's disappearance to a string of other strange events that happened or have happened in this area. Dating all the way back to 1812.
1: Wow. Although in fairness, this
0: first one, well, you'll see. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Manchester, which is about 25 miles away from where Paula was, uh, there was a man named Russell Colvin who was married to a girl named Sally Bourne. Or born, born, b o o r n, born, born, born. That's kind of fun to say. Uh, they had a bunch of kids, but it was not a happy marriage. Russell, it seemed like, kind of wandered off a lot. He struggled with some mental health issues, and Sally got over it real quick. She went to live with her family, and Russell was not super popular with her family. They thought he was kind of the worst. In fact, two of her brothers, Jesse and Stephen. Really did not like him. So in 1812, Russell disappeared. Uh, he'd done this before, though. So initially, everybody was like, eh, that's Russell, you know? He got drunk and wandered off. Uh, sure. A few years after he had disappeared and he was still gone, some people were like, mm, maybe he was murdered. And honestly, if anyone was going to murder him, it was probably Sally's brothers. So seven years after he had disappeared, Amos Bourne, who was their uncle, he had kind of a weird revelation. He said Russell had been showing up in his dreams. What? That the apparition of Russell, it was like, yep, I was murdered. Uh, He didn't say who, but he said, this is where you can find my remains in this old cellar in the potato field on the Bourne family farm. Is this the Greenbrier ghost part two? Uh, That was exactly what I thought. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) whoa. So Amos being the kind of guy that takes his ghost dream seriously. He goes out, checks the area. And indeed, there is a big old knife and a smaller knife and some pieces of crockery and a button. I love the button detail, no, particularly no because body. It, was the, it was, well, it was the button that Sally's like, that's my Russell. I don't get it. I don't know why I'm making voice <laughs> sound this way. It's my old timey voice. That's my Russell's. That's my Russell's button. <laughs> Which also respect. I don't think I could identify any of my buttons. Um, <laughs> it's, it's true. So near the spot where they found the button,
1: uh, they would find bones. Oh, man, that button really got me. <laughs> it, 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 it It hit your button? Right on the button.
0: Right on the button. Right on the button. So they found bones. They found bones, and they're like, oh, they must be human. Murder! Most foul! And, I mean, this does look pretty damning, and it seems like, yeah, you know, maybe Russell's ghost knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, but, Okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna put my Scully hat on for a moment, if I may. Hell uh, yeah! Welcome back. Thank you, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen. Sally had given birth to a child. Oh, after her husband disappeared. <laughs> oh, like more than nine months after her husband had disappeared. Was it a ghost baby? <clears throat> it was not. <laughs> So, here's the thing though According to the law at the time Even though Baby was born After husband had disappeared And there was no way This baby Could be his um, I mean unless This ghost is like making visits On his way to the uncle To talk about the dreams He gets around man He gets around, ghost gets around But Despite all those things, the baby was considered whoever her legal husband was. Mm-hmm. Which means that the human who actually impregnated her is in zero ways responsible financially for said bebe. Uh oh. Yeah. So if I'm a woman who might want some money from the gentleman who impregnated me. I need to prove my husband's dead. What's a way I can prove my husband is dead? Say that his ghost visited my uncle in a
1: dream. That's true. Okay. I see. I see the path you just took. See the path I just took there? I do. I just, I got there. It took me a little longer (laughs) than it took you, but I'm, I'm here. So, um, but based on all
0: of this non-evidence, uh, who gets arrested for this death? But Jesse, her brother, who still lives, you know, on the farm. And then a warrant is, is issued for brother Steven, who's living in New York. And, you know, Jesse's in custody for a couple days and he's threatened with all kinds of punishments, including death. So he kind of confessed, (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, he did one of those confessions that people do when they're Forced?
1: scared and
0: disoriented. And and yeah. And he also said, like, it was mostly my brother, Stephen, and maybe also my dad. Uh, what? Yeah. And so Stephen is arrested. Like, a, he actually does get arrested. And he writes a letter where he's like, yeah, my bad. <laughs> I killed him. Did he really? <laughs> he did, yeah. And they're both tried and found guilty. But also, the bones that they first thought were human were maybe not human, were maybe animal bones. Wait, then where are his bones? Yeah, that's, that's, that is, well, okay. So this is where it gets weirder. It's probably not Russell's bones. But Stephen's sentenced to hang and Jesse to life in prison, which sucks. But also, okay, so then who shows up?
1: <laughs> A not-so-dead Russell. (laughs) Oh, my God. Are you serious? Who basically
0: looks at his wife and is like, nah, I'm done with you. Um, Fair. That is very fair. (laughs) But seemed really confused by people thought, like, he was dead. So, Stephen and Jesse are released. So, all of this is already bonkers, That's right? Ridiculous. This is weird. This is weird. And maybe one day we'll do a full episode on this because my God, I'm reading it just being like, what is happening? But as the years then went by and Steven and Jesse are very much not in jail, there was speculation that the Russell who showed up was not really Russell. <laughs> then who was it? Some imposter that they hired <laughs> To get Jesse and Steven out of hot water Because they actually had murdered Russell My brain's gonna
1: explode
0: I know And the thing is Is that like This is all weird And highly entertaining But I don't really see What this has to do With any of the other weird events That happened in the area But it popped up In a couple of the things I was reading And it was also just sort of Delightful enough I felt like I should still
1: share it With all of you (laughs) Okay, so friendly reminder, what is this? How is this connected to Paula? It's in the same area. It's in the same area, but it's setting up um
0: a sequence of events because okay. even though, okay, yes, this was sort of a tangent that was mostly delighting my brain and also else. just
1: entertaining It was, fun. was entertaining. Fun
0: like I kept seeing it referenced and I started writing about it. incorporating in the episode. And by the time I got to that button of like, no, it may have been an imposter. And also the brothers probably did it. I was like, how is, this is just, I, I mean, again, I want to watch this movie, but this isn't really anything. It's a drama. It's a soap opera. It's a soap opera. Um, but I, at that point was so invested in sharing the story that I was like, I'm keeping this in, even though (laughs) (laughs) it's such an offshoot. It, It really is. Um, So here's the thing. This area where Paula disappeared, what I started finding was that the area is sometimes referred to as the Bennington Triangle. Oh, I think I've heard of that. And that might ring a bell with some of you because it's primarily associated with five specific cases that occurred between 1945 and 1950. This... Name is kind of misleading because really only three of the five disappearances happened near the trail where Paula herself disappeared, Long Trail, and not all of them were technically in Bennington County, but much like how we play fast and loose with the boundaries of the Bermuda Triangle, where it got some of its name inspiration from, people play fast and loose with a lot of things in this story. So That's
1: what she said. That's what she
0: said. The first person to disappear was 74-year-old Mitty Rivers, who was also from Bennington. And he was hunting on Glastonbury mountain in uh, 1945. And he got separated from the rest of the, or he, he separated from them. He went off on his own being like, I'll see y'all at three. And then he didn't come back. So the other hunters in his group, they're looking for him. No luck because there's no police department. They tell the fire department that he's missing. Uh, People are searching much like Paula, nothing comes up. The only thing they ever found was a handkerchief with money tied into it that was identified as belonging to him, but no sign of him. Hmm. And again, the theories range from Mitty being injured and maybe getting lost to possibly one of the hunters killing him by accident and trying to cover it up. Hmm. But it is strange to have another disappearance so similar to Paula's happen only one year prior to her disappearance. That is true. You're not wrong. And then the next one in 1949, and also, again, weirdly, like Paula Weldon, happened on December 1st. Huh. Was 68-year-old James Tedford, who got on a bus on his way to the soldier's home in Bennington. And people recall seeing him on the bus at least one stop before... But no one can recall him actually getting off. Or when he might have gotten off. And that was that. He never showed up at the soldier's home. And no one ever heard from him again. He was just gone. So he just disappeared from the bus? I I mean... And this is where I go back and forth between being Scully and being like, this is bonkers. Because just, I don't know, I think about myself on the bus. And to be fair, I'm usually staring at my phone or listening to music or a podcast or reading. But in 1949, people would have been reading. People would have been sleeping, talking. How often are you paying attention to when your fellow passengers are getting on and off a bus?
1: Uh, You're not?
0: Yeah. So nobody noticed him getting off the bus. It doesn't mean he didn't get off the bus. And he was not entirely mentally sound. So it is possible, again, he could have wandered off. He could have just left and been like, "Mm, I want to go back there. But the fact that he was never seen or heard from again is weird. weird. And then in October of 1950, eight year old Paul Jepson disappeared. His family lived a few miles from Bennington. They actually ran the town dump, and they raised um, pigs, which they kept there. So Paul had gone with his mother in the car to move some of the pigs. He, mm-hmm. he was, uh, I think, homeschooled, essentially. And he stayed in the car. She was gone about an hour. When she got back, he was gone. Search goes underway. Pretty quickly, I mean, you got a missing child. People come out for that, right? Um, and and Paul's father mentioned, you know, he had wandered off before, but still, no sign of him. And of course, the media now is making the connection to some of the other disappearances, and it, it's it's kind of raising some alarm bells. And just two weeks after, uh, just over two weeks, I guess, after Paul Jepsen disappeared. 53-year-old Frida Langer went hunting with her husband, Max, and her cousin, and she disappeared. That's weird. Well, so Max stayed at camp, and Frida and her cousin went out. And according to her cousin, Frida slipped into the brook and got wet. So she's like, well, I'm going to go back to the camp to change, because being wet in October in Vermont in the woods sucks. Yep. And he said he walked her part way and then left her so he could go hunt. And then when he got back to camp later, realized that Frieda had never returned. So once again, this area is searched. Nobody finds anything. And like before, people are like, well, she could have gotten injured. Or maybe she was killed in a hunting accident and it was tried to be covered up. Unlike the other cases, though, her body was eventually found. Oh, In May of 1951, over six months after she had disappeared, her body was found in the river. One hand was gone, and the flesh from her head was basically gone. Uh, Because it was exposed. It was exposed to the water, right? So between, like, things nibbling on it, the water, everything. Um, But the rest of her body was pretty well intact because it was under clothing. But the determination was that Frida had drowned by accident, But they didn't actually perform an autopsy. So that's a pretty large assumption to make. That's what I think, especially because her cousin was acting kind of shady. And the fact that he just, like, left her, like, Mm. to go hunting? Well, I mean, I think about, like, I don't know, if I'm camping with friends and we're going to be parting ways. Like, oh, no, I you know, camp's 100 feet ahead, so I'm going to head back there. You go on. Like... That to me itself didn't strike me as odd, um, but he he exhibited some strange behavior. He'd wandered off at one point. And he said to search, and if you do the full kind of look at the case, to me, the cousin looks pretty suspicious, and I do wonder if something happens. Uh, but I mean, again, so the, these are all odd, but it could be a weird coincidence. There could be sure rational explanations for all of the deaths. Uh, It's the woods. It's the mountains. People go hiking and hunting and they disappear, right? Sure. It's a scary
1: place, the woods.
0: It's a a scary place. Um, So, okay. I watched The Most Terrifying Places in America, a Natural World episode. Oh, fun. Yeah. Um, It offered up some other weird things that have happened in the area. And specifically the area around uh, Glastonbury Mountain. Which is where you have the long trail going through and and right around the Bennington Triangle and all this, you know, creepy ass shit. Mm-hmm. so uh, one of the things it referenced was that the local Native American tribes in the area considered the mountain cursed and considered the area cursed do, 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 yeah. And that they avoided it. In fact, I read the area was avoided by the indigenous tribes, save for when they had to bury people. Oh. That being said, um, all of this was referenced in various articles, various things I, I read. But I did not see one source linking back to any site of, of any of the tribes. Any you know, confirmation, any, well, any evidence. Evidence. I I really like when I, when I read stories like this, I always like to know the start of it. Where did this originate? I want to know the, you know, the origin of something. So give me the name of a tribe that said this, give me, give me a link to a story somewhere that was passed down. Right. It is not to say it is not a true story by any means. I just like in my, sculliness. (laughs) Gulliness. <laughs> I like to know the, the origin of something so I can look at it and be like, okay, cool. Um, so I, I'm still kind of trying to track down. And then if I find an answer, I'll report back. Or if, if any of you are familiar with this area and you can point me in a direction and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is totally a local legend of the blank tribe. Sure, I would love that. Um,
1: you know, what's interesting though, that you mentioned is I yeah. feel like there is a I just, it's kind of funny. This whole story has so many like reminders of different cases we've covered in the past or different stories we've talked about. Yeah. And like this one makes me think about the Dietzlav Pass because Mm -hmm. it was literally called Dead Mountain Mm -hmm. by the indigenous people in that area. And it was fully avoided by people in that area. And it's very, it's got a similar, similar vibe to what you're talking about.
0: But it's also something that for me, it just hit on a lot of, especially stories that are rooted in, you know, uh, the 1800s, the 1700s, things that, that started a few hundred years ago. Sometimes we create stories like this to try to explain why something happens, Mm -hmm. even though the kinds of things happening are rational. Yeah. Um, we... We want a reason. We want a reason other than somebody wandered off. We want a reason other than something weird. Um, I don't know. Uh, I I mean, again, you know me. I'm an evidence-driven girl. Evidence. 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 Uh, and I don't want to discount anything. I just... I like to have sources. <laughs> Yes, you do. I do. Uh,
1: Kim Douthat,
0: queen of the source. Queen of the source. Uh, Medium.com had an article about some of the weird goings on, and it referenced some indigenous legends about a man eating rock, like, that, that the ground would actually swallow people up. Oh,
1: that's cool.
0: Well, and, and again, it made me wonder, because there wasn't, there wasn't a specific anything associated with it just local legend Mm -hmm. but i was like okay so could there be sinkholes could there be
1: scientific things that actually happen
0: scientific things actually happen but that we again didn't necessarily have the vocabulary for when we first started seeing this phenomena and once the legend takes off it takes off It
1: it goes it goes far and wide
0: so could there have been some weird things that happened and there would have been a rational explanation if we'd seen it today, but because it happened in a time where they didn't necessarily have a scientific explanation, the result is, you
1: know, man eating rocks. I mean, that sounds like a really fun, either like book movie or band. Right.
0: (laughs) One. So there's also, there's a lot of Karen's around and I don't mean (laughs) Karen's like, you're such a Karen. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's some of those around too, but I like it's say. Vermont, but like C-A-I-R-N-S, man-made rock formations.
1: Oh, <laughs> thank you for yeah. spelling that. Cause I definitely thought you were talking about women named Karen. I, it's <laughs> no,
0: every time I read it, I was like, I'm going to have to be more specific here. No, um, man-made rock formations. So that's also, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. Um, I read about a man named Carl Herrick who was out hunting in 1943 and didn't come back, which sounds familiar mm-hmm. uh his friends went looking for him and he would be found three days later his body was propped up against a tree his rifle was resting about 50 feet away also propped up against a tree and when they examined his body it was found it had been crushed to death How? like one of his ribs was pushed through his lungs crushed to holy death. shit wait I mean, yeah. did he get like attacked by a bear or something Well, here's the thing. So, there were large footprints around. Mm. Um, And uh, they are quick to point out that there have never been a fatal bear attack in the area. Um, So, what other kind of large creature do we know of? (gasps) Mm, Could it be our good friend, Sam Scratch? So, again,
1: I thought we were going to say Bigfoot.
0: the Sasquatch. The Sasquatch. Sam Squanch. Sam Squanch. Squanch. Uh, There's there's legends throughout the area of a Bigfoot-type creature called the Bennington Monster. In (gasps) fact, there is a story dating back to the 1800s about a stagecoach stopping during a sudden rainstorm and being pushed over by a large, hairy beast. Yes. But once again, if I might, Scully, for a wee moment, this is very much local folklore. I'm not saying that it did not happen. However, I could not find a single source for the
1: origin of this story. I mean, I want to believe, man. I want to believe, too! I'm pulling a full molder on this one, and I'm going to say I want to believe that that Sasquatch man is just... Fed up with people getting in his space and just slapping them around, him? you know, and puncturing lungs with ribs. And, you know, it happens, right? I mean, again, I, I very much, I love the idea
0: that Bigfoot is out there. I want to believe in Bigfoot. I wholeheartedly believe in the Loch Ness Monster. But there's the part of my brain that enjoys the joy of leaning full into these things and going on a Bigfoot hunt.
1: Which I love to do. Yes, you do.
0: And there's the side of my brain that's like, okay, but seriously, what was the origin of the story? <laughs> give me a source.
1: <laughs> and as I, long as I we can give that to Kim, then she'll walk away happy. But until she then, will. she is not a happy camper.
0: See, that's what I think sometimes people don't understand about those of us who are truly skeptical. Because I've gotten some like crap about it from people in the community and and. I'm like, the people who are skeptical, we believe more than anyone else. It's Mm -hmm. why we want the evidence to be true. And it's why we want to back it up. Because we want it to be true. We want it to be true so badly. I want to be able to shove the evidence at someone who doubts it and be like, ha, ha, ha. Suck it.
1: Hell yeah. That should be the title of this episode. Ha, ha, ha. ha, ha. Suck (laughs) it. Suck
0: it. (laughs) So there, there are other... Legends that come out of this area There's the legend of a wild man And now the origin of this story Differed depending on what source I was looking at Um, Some of what I've read Referred to a series uh, of Basically A guy wearing a jacket who would approach A woman and open up his jacket To reveal hello my wang Um, So a flasher Hello flasher Uh, And then waving a pistol around And running into the woods And I can't. I feel like this was all in 1867. And I feel like that doesn't really sound like anything supernatural. It just sounds like the 19th century
1: version of a flasher. Yeah, that sounds like someone who's just like, Trying to get a reaction out of somebody and it's just like not welcome. Which people yeah. still do to this day, and it's people not cool.
0: still do, especially on the subway. Uh
1: oh, there no. was a
0: man a couple years later who killed someone with a rock and he was put in an asylum and he escaped to the woods. And this was this did happen. I, I actually saw the sources for this. There was names and everything. Um, but he went to live in the mountains, and this might have played into some of the Bennington monster stories as well. So was he the monster? He wasn't the flasher as far as I know, but the wild man stories are sometimes referred to as him. And I mean, again, anytime you have, it's the, it's the, the Cropsey, right? You have those legends. You have that, the people who grow into lore, um, the, the, Somebody who, the it's the witch next door. It's, you know, what it, it's, mm-hmm. it's the, it's baited, based in, in, in reality, but then it grows. It grows into something that becomes. Telephone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kids too, man. Like kids make things cause it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to, to tell those stories and make them bigger and sitting around a fire and telling these stories, making them more outlandish. Uh, there was a, an unsolved murder of a guy named John Harbor. A couple years later, and he was shot, and then his body was dragged. But, like, that, to me, just, again, sounds like good old-fashioned murder. Nothing, that, yeah, that's regular murder. That's, that's just regular murder, everyone. <laughs> but, of course, no weird story would be complete without someone tossing aliens into the mix. Hell yeah! And there have been sightings dating back to the 1800s of, of strange sports. and mysterious lights. Of
1: course there are. Tell me all about it. I'm so excited. I'm like i I mean end that's mostly seat. it. There's strange oh. mysterious lights. <laughs> I thought there was more. I was like, did no. somebody come out? Do we know what they look like? No. No. Um
0: the the episode I watched though the most terrifying places in America, there was an account of a guy in the 2000s and what's funny, I swear he said 2014, but then I was reading accounts of the same thing and it all said 2003. So, who knows. But it was sometime in the last 20 years. Uh um, Basically, this guy, he stopped on the road to, like, sit on his car and enjoy the evening. And this mm-hmm. was in the Bennington area. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: He heard some sort of unholy scream. Ooh. And the woods went deadly silent. Ooh. He heard it again. <gasps> this time, it sounded closer. It's so close. So he did what any rational human would do. He got in his car and was like, bye. <gasps> Goodbye. Yeah. Like, I would do that if I were screaming in the woods. That's never that's gonna a end hard, well for anyone. A hard, it's nope. a hard no. Hard no. Nope. Uh, so he starts driving down the road, but he spots a hairy, massive beast on the side of the road that rose on its two legs and took off. Is this Sasquatch? Okay, can I put my Scully hat back on? I'm gonna politely Scully for a moment. Do it. I don't want to discount his experience. Maybe. He saw the Bennington monster, or a Bigfoot, or a Sam Squanch. Um, I do want to point out, though, there are bears in Vermont. <laughs> like there are, they're black bears, so they're you know they're smaller than like a grizzly. grizzly bear, yeah. But it's still a bear. <laughs> it's still a hairy thing that can stand on its hind legs. It's still a big hairy thing that can and, and, and like male bear, like female bears are tend to be around you know two hundred pounds or whatever I guess in this area, but like male bears, they're big. Big boy They're big And and I'm sorry Even a small bear Getting up on its hind legs That's intimidating Hell yeah it is So I'm not saying He did not see Some sort of Bigfoot type creature But Could be a bear I would like to point out The possibility of Bear The bear necessities The bear necessities Also you know There are cougars In these woods Hey Like Cougars eat people <laughs> No, I mean, they do. Cougars are, are scary, and they eat people. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe some of these disappearances are less supernatural and more... Hungry animals? Cougar. <laughs> more cougar. <laughs> more cougar. Uh, another theory about some of the weirdnesses in the area is actually attributed to the weather. Oh. Because apparently the wind pattern can get really erratic and change quickly, which is disorienting. So thinking back again to the uh, Diatlov Pass, mm-hmm. like uh, there are oftentimes things. Uh, looking at areas like that, that are are deemed, you know, this is a devil mountain, this is a death mountain, this is a whatever. This is an area people avoid. A lot of times, there is a scientific explanation for why people want to avoid an area. Mm-hmm. Even coming, like even thinking about when we're ghost hunting, um, EMF activity. EMF activity gets to people. Like, if there is a a lot of EMF, if you have high levels of it around, it can make you feel uncomfortable. It can make you feel like something's... It messes with you. Mm-hmm. So there are legitimate reasons why we sometimes get these feelings or we... Not to kill anyone's joy either. <laughs> I I'm trying not to kill as much joy these days, but... I mean, who knows? Like honestly, for as weird as some of these stories are, um, I might be a little too scully because all of them to me have rational explanations if you're willing to sort of see it. See it. Yeah. And and we wanna make connections. where we're we're it's it's human. We wanna look at things and say they're connected even when they're not, because it's easier than <laughs> thinking the universe is random but right. uh, I don't we know like do you, explanations
1: think? I, I think okay. I agree I think oftentimes we try to explain things right that's literally what we do on this freaking podcast oh is yeah. try to explain things and understand them and like it's why people see you know ghost shapes or you know when we yeah. talk about ghost hunting since you brought it up um your brain sees what it wants it to. See to see you know and yeah. if you have it in your head then it's going to be what it is if you have a, a bunch of different weird deaths quote unquote weird um, in a certain area I mean I would love to have someone do that in Los Angeles
0: right looping back to Paula like she's been gone for you know what 80 years sure <laughs> not quite but like around 80 a long time know. Yeah. Since 1946. And, um, I doubt we will ever have a real idea of what happened. Um, which is, which is sad. I, I, her family at this point, you know, I mean, her, her parents have passed. Um, Mm -hmm. I I can't speak to her younger siblings. I didn't actually find out if any of them are still alive, but even if they are, they'd be quite old at this point. Um, it it would be nice to be able to tie up an explanation for them, even if that explanation was abducted by aliens. But it's it's a cold case that will probably never be solved to our satisfaction.
1: For sure. And I think like this kind of goes back to what we talked about on the last episode with Betsy of like it's fun to believe that things could be connected. Sure. Yeah. Like it's fun to be like, Oh my God, look at all these like different weird deaths that happened or like unexplained things that also happened in the same area. Or just weird stuff. Like, that story was hilarious, but that just sounds like a bunch of troubled people, to be completely honest.
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, I was like, this has nothing to do with anything, but also, I can't
1: not tell it. <laughs> no, that was a great story. I really appreciated it. <laughs> but that's also just the fact that it is fun to talk about, right? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. it's fun to talk about. It's fun to discuss the potential um in things that had impacted that area. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there something about that area that causes people to disappear or die um you know maybe there is and maybe there isn't yeah and i think that that's kind of up to y'all to determine mm-hmm. kim is going to scully cuz she scullies and that's what she does
0: it's hard it's hard to turn it off again i i i i agree i think it is more fun um it is always more fun to believe it's, it's Bigfoot to believe it's ghost to believe it's whatever. And, and, and I enjoy that. Um, I think, I think for me that, that if you're talking about doing justice for someone, like if it's a a human who is gone or Mm -hmm. is murdered or, uh, that's where I have to kind of put fun aside
1: a little bit because it's not, it's not something to laugh about either. It's something to, no, no, you
0: know, and, and and be, I mean, like, man, like her her dad's broadcast. It's it's heartbreaking. This it's is so a family sad. that never got closure on what happened to their kid. So yeah, speculating that it was aliens, that it was Bigfoot, that it was you know the Bennington Triangle is 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 fun. But the family's pain is real. Yeah. And so it's it's that's for me sort of the the line that I I enjoy the ridiculous stories. I enjoy the speculation. The world is better if I think that you know Mothman is real. Um, but when people seriously look at somebody who who has a family member, a spouse, or whatever who was murdered, who is missing, and and tries to thrust Bigfoot at them,
1: not the and most they don't, fun,
0: and they don't react well. It's not fun anymore. So it's no. it's it's sort of knowing when to have fun with this stuff and when to
1: not. <laughs> There is if a very there, fine line.
0: It's a fine line. And and it's one that I think we're all kind of learning to walk. But um, I, I would be curious, you know, if, if anyone has their own theories about what happened or anything about this area. If you're somebody who lives in this area and, and has a, a unique insight into the occurrences, please feel free. Reach out to us. Send us a message uh, on, on yeah. social media. Um, I would love to hear. I, again, I'm I'm kind of still digging a little into this whole situation because I find it fascinating
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but it, it it's a case that took me in a direction I didn't think I'd be going but it was a and fun I, journey it was a fun journey and I appreciate the the, the weird direction it went in um, but, but this is the case of Paula Jean Weldon and the Bennington Triangle
1: <laughs> I love it awesome great topic yeah and this brings us to Creepy correct corner. Creepy correct corner. Kim, you. Yeah. What you watching? Oh, it
0: was too much. I I was actually Gabby and I were talking about this before um The the we started recording, but I have been I teach a a class in um, horror films uh, discussion with teenagers and we watched uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre this evening and uh, it was really cool. I, 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 I very much personally enjoy the movie and it was really interesting kind of getting a chance to discuss it. Mm -hmm. with a group of teenagers through a different set of eyes. So if you've never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I always recommend that. I've been watching a TV series called Trickster. Where is it? It is found currently on Mm Shudder. It is a Canadian show. Uh, One season. It looks like we won't be getting a second season. And it's only, I think, six episodes. But it's... um, one of the reasons why I really liked it is it's, it's playing off of a a number of the indigenous mythology about tricksters. And so you have a, a a high school student, Jared, who, you know, he, he, he sells drugs. He works at a fast food restaurant. His mom's kind of a hot mess and he's just sort of trying to help pay the rent and keep things together. And weird stuff stuff starts happening and he's seeing weird things and he's experiencing weird things. And this is something you find out fairly quickly. So it's a little bit of a spoiler, but also not really for a show called trickster based on a book called son of a trickster. Jared finds out that he is indeed a trickster, (laughs) the son of a trickster. We're not sure if he's a trickster right away. Uh, But it, it, it's, it's just really, really interesting. And, and, um, I enjoyed I don't know the cast is fantastic. I also the the guy that plays his dad Wade um the actor is a very attractive human and nice for your eyes. I see he, he is he is pleasing on the eyes to to look at, which is neither here <laughs> nor there about the quality of the series. Just However, an extra <laughs> bonus it is an added bonus He's a beautiful human being anyway um but it, <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh but it, you know it's 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 a really fun show and and i was kind of bummed to learn it, it was originally i think renewed for a second season but there was a little bit of controversy because the showrunner uh it turns out um had been presenting herself as as uh, a member of uh one of the indigenous tribes and is not is
1: not (laughs) ooh that's no bueno
0: yeah so she stepped down from the show but it was ultimately decided to to cancel it which i'm bummed again it was it's you've got such a good cast some really Mm -hmm. great writing uh i i was i was really disappointed but i am i know that it's based on a book and so i have the book uh, i don't have it yet i i have it on on hold for the library. So, mm-hmm. uh I'm going to read the book whenever the library decides I can get it and I will report back. Nice. But I would recommend it. It's 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 really fun. That's awesome. Yeah, Gabby, what about What about
1: you? Um well, to be completely frank, I have had zero time to watch or do anything other than hang out with my family cuz I'm visiting uh, Los Angeles still. I know last time we recorded, I was here. I just had arrived, but I'm still here. Um, to be fair,
0: you have not seen your family in over a year.
1: A year and a half to be. year
0: and a half, specific. yeah. So, yes, so, you so earned, you've earned some time.
1: I've earned some with time. With the family, yeah. Yep, been hanging out with the pups, with the cute babies, and seen mm-hmm. some of my friends, and I have really enjoyed hanging out with them for the first time in like two years. Um, but I did make time, actually. I thought about it couple things i watched one silence of the lambs was on because my parents have cable so you're welcome kim i had to watch cable uh my favorite but of course if silence of the lambs is on i'm gonna watch it because all i think about is kim there it is there she is you're welcome um such a great movie it's just you know the original is just the best it's just so freaking good I rewatched
0: um, it a couple months ago and I I had forgotten how stinking good it was. Although I will say, Gabby, you know what? You need to actually finish watching
1: Hannibal. I know, Hannibal! but it's one of those shows that I'm watching with Terrence and I can't watch it right now because he's not here and we have to watch it together. You weren't watching it before either. <laughs> I know, but I, I need time. Time is something mm, I true. need to that's do true. these things. But I actually also, um, just for shits and giggles, um, I know... When we had Betsy on last time, she was talking yeah. about Duncanville, which is an, a show. Yeah. It's an animated show, and mm-hmm. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that Amy Poehler is one of the main characters in uh, Duncanville. She actually plays Duncan and Duncan's mom. Which oh, is, seriously? Yeah, and so there's it's got a it's got an insane cast. They have a lot of people. Um, I'm not gonna list everybody, but like obviously I know Betsy's on it. So I was like, ah, I'll I'll right. watch it. I'll watch an episode. And I didn't yeah. realize that on Hulu they have um this is probably really old. Cause remember when like COVID started and everyone was stuck inside and like big shows big. were doing like Zoom calls together uh, and then yeah, putting yeah. them out. So mm-hmm, they did mm-hmm. a table read via Zoom of the first mm. episode, the pilot.
0: Oh, that's fun. Yeah,
1: and so it's great too, because um, I've seen that episode, but to see it, like, with the people actually reading the lines and Amy Poehler to have an argument with herself as a child and a mother is very funny to watch. And then you get to hear everyone else, like, laughing at it. And so it's almost like you're watching it with a group of people. And it's just, it was very fun. I would highly recommend it. And it's just, like, a sweet show about a young, like like teenage boy and like crushes and family and like parents that are just like trying to be cool but like are just annoying um and so it's just like a typical you know coming of age show but very comedic and written by some great people and it's got a stunning cast of comedians nice. so and our friend betsy is on it so hey, i watch betsy. it and that's what i that's what i've been watching so a nice little uh Balance of comedy and horror. Yeah, it's good to
0: have. You know, speaking of comedy and horror, albeit unintentionally, um, I did go and see, I, for me, it was yesterday. By the time this episode comes out, it'll have been not yesterday, but uh, I went and saw The Conjuring 3 in the oh, theaters.
1: I want to see it so badly. Don't tell me anything. Okay. We'll talk about it next episode. <laughs> I'll, I promise you, I will watch it before then, and we'll talk about it next episode.
0: I, well, and, and I'm I'm curious again. I will invite people at home to in a non-spoiler way until Gabby has has seen it, but because it, it is airing on HBO Max, mm-hmm. um, so if you don't want to go to theaters, you can still watch it. But I. Uh, having been a fan of the franchise, some of it—I mean, the Conjuring movies—I've been a fan of some of the outshoots of the franchise, less so. And I'm a big fan of James Wan. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy his direction, and I could tell he did not direct this movie. Um, I don't know. I have some feelings. I'm curious. I—I'm sort of curious to hear how other people have responded to the movie. So uh, I will—I will hold my comments back now, but we'll talk about it next time. And and our friends out there, feel free to send us. Your thoughts. Um, yeah, because I, I I, have feelings. I have feelings, Gabby. I don't usually have feelings because I have a cold, dead heart. But, you know.
1: When the time comes, we have to talk about it. So I'm, like, dying inside right now and about to stop recording and turn that movie on so that we could talk about it immediately. Uh, it. But, yeah, we'll talk about it next week. I promise. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, Obviously, you can find us wherever uh, you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review. So that way you, you know, get to know when we have new episodes come out. And Uh please, that rating and reviewing is so nice. We so Mm -hmm. appreciate it. It's the best thing you can do for us if you can't financially help out. Um, and also uh, we have our Patreon. It is Patreon for Ghoulish Tendencies podcast. We actually just uploaded the entire video of our last episode on there. So if you want a, a little fun, unedited moment of video of lots of facial expressions, oh, too. facial expressions were the best part about it. So if you're if you are one of our Patreons and or patrons or patrons uh, Patron. and have not looked at that yet, go take a gander. It's up on the Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> Words are heard. Words are hard. Um, also website. It is ghoulish tendencies.com. You can find all of our socials on there, all our show notes, um, references. All of our episodes are also on there, kind of like a one-stop shop for all of our stuff. We also have a uh Facebook page as well as a Instagram, both titled Ghoulish Tendencies Podcast. Find some good visual references of our episodes there. And we have a Twitter, it is Ghoulish Podcast. Mm -hmm. So Feel free to reach out, say hello. Uh, we love to hear from y'all. And thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you have a great night, day, afternoon, morning, whenever it is. And stay.